Chapter Twelve, Part Two of the Guns of Shiloh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Guns of Shiloh by Joseph A. Altscheller. Chapter Twelve, Grant's Great Victory, Part Two. The sergeant beat steadily and insistently yet he was forced to continue it five or six minutes before it was thrown open then a tall old woman with a dignified stern face and white hair drawn back from high brows stood before them but dick's quick eyes saw in the dusk of the room behind her a girl of seventeen or eighteen what do you want asked the woman in a tone of ice i see that you're yankee soldiers and if you intend to rob the house there's no one here to oppose you. Its sole occupants are myself, my granddaughter, and two colored women, our servants. But I tell you, before you begin, that all our silver has been shipped to Nashville. Colonel Winchester flushed a deep crimson and bit his lips savagely. Madam, he said, we are not robbers and plunderers. These are regular soldiers belonging to General Grant's army. Does it make any difference? your armies come to ravage and destroy the south colonel winchester flushed again but remembering his self-control he said politely madam i hope our actions will prove to you that we've been maligned we've not come here to rob you or disturb you in any manner we merely wish to inquire of you if you had seen any other southern armed forces in this vicinity and do you think sir she replied in the same uncompromising tones if i had seen them that I would tell you anything about it? No, madam, replied the colonel, bowing. Whatever I may have thought before I entered your portico, I do not think so now. Then it gives me great pleasure to bid you good evening, sir, she said, and shut the door in his face. Colonel Winchester laughed rather sorely. She had rather the better of me, he said, but we can't make war on women. Come on, lads, we'll ride ahead and camp under the trees. It's easy to obtain plenty of fuel for fires. The darkness is coming fast, said Dick, and it's going to be very cold, as usual. In a half hour the day was fully gone, and, as he had foretold, the night was sharp with chill, setting every man to shivering. They turned aside into an oak grove and pitched their camp. It was never hard to obtain fuel, as the whole area of the great Civil War was largely in forest, and the soldiers dragged up fallen brushwood in abundance. Then the fires sprang up and created a wide circle of light and cheerfulness. Dick joined zealously in the task of finding firewood, and his search took him somewhat further than the others. He passed all the way through the belt of the forest and noticed fields beyond. He was about to turn back when he heard a faint but regular sound. Experience told him that it was the beat of horses' hoofs and he knew that some distance away a road must lead between the fields. He walked a hundred yards further, and climbing upon a fence waited. From his perch he could see the road about two hundred yards beyond him, and the hoofbeats were rapidly growing louder. Someone was riding hard and fast. In a minute the horseman, or rather horsewoman, came into view. There was enough light for Dick to see the slender figure of a young girl mounted on a great bay horse. She was wrapped in a heavy cloak, but her head was bare, and her long dark hair streamed almost straight out behind her, so great was the speed at which she rode. 
she struck the horse occasionally with a small riding whip but he was already going like a racer dick remembered the slim figure of the girl and it occurred to him suddenly that this was she whom he had seen in the dusk of the room behind her grandmother he wondered why she was riding so fast alone and in the winter night and then he admitted with a thrill of admiration that he had never seen anyone ride better the hoofbeats rose died away and then horse and girl were gone in the darkness dick climbed down from the fence and shook himself was it real or merely fancy the product of a brain excited by so much siege and battle he picked up a big dead bough in the wood dragged it back to the camp and threw it on one of the fires what are you looking so grave about dick asked warner when i went across that stretch of woods i saw something that i didn't expect to see what was it a girl on a big horse they came and they went so fast that i just got a glimpse of them a girl alone galloping on a horse on a wintry night like this through a region infested by hostile armies why dick you're seeing shadows better sit down and have a cup of this good hot coffee but dick shook his head he knew now that he had seen reality and he reported it to colonel winchester are you sure it was the girl you saw at the big house asked colonel winchester it might have been some farmer's wife galloping home from an errand late in the evening it was the girl i'm sure of it said dick confidently just at that moment sergeant whitley came up and saluted what is it sergeant asked the colonel i've been up the road some distance sir and i came to another road that crossed it the second road has been cut by hoofs of eight or nine hundred horses and i am sure sir that the tracks are not a day old colonel winchester looked grave he knew that he was deep in the country of the enemy and he began to put together what dick had seen and what the sergeant had seen but the thought of withdrawing did not occur to his brave soul he'd been sent on an errand by general grant and he meant to do it but he changed his plans for the night he had intended to keep only one man in ten on watch instead he kept half and sergeant whitley veteran of indian wars murmured words of approval under his breath whitley and pennington were in the early watch dick and warner were to come on later the colonel spoke as if he would keep watch all night all the horses were tethered carefully inside the ring of pickets it doesn't need any mathematical calculation said warner to tell that the colonel expects trouble of some kind tonight what its nature is i don't know but i mean to go to sleep nevertheless i've already seen so much of hardship and war that the mere thought of danger doesn't trouble me i took a fort on the tennessee i took a much larger one on the cumberland first defeating the enemy's army in a big battle and now i'm preparing to march on nashville hence i will not have my slumbers disturbed by a mere belief that danger may come it's a good resolution george said dick but unlike you i'm subject to impulses emotions thrills and anxieties better cure yourself said the vermonter as he rolled himself in the blankets and put his head on his arm in two minutes he was asleep but dick despite his weariness had disturbed nerves which refused to let him sleep for a long time he closed his eyes repeatedly and then opened them again merely to see the tethered horses and beyond them the circle of sentinels a clear moonlight falling on their rifle barrels but it was very warm and cozy in the blankets and he would soon fall asleep again 
he was awakened about an hour after midnight to take his turn at the watch and he noticed that colonel winchester was still standing beside one of the fires but looking very anxious dick felt himself on good enough terms despite his youth to urge him to take rest i should like to do so replied colonel winchester but dick i tell you although you must keep it to yourself that i think we're in some danger your glimpse of the flying horsewoman and the undoubted fact that hundreds of horsemen have crossed the road ahead of us have made me put two and two together ah what is it sergeant i think i hear noises to the east of us sir replied the veteran what kind of noises sergeant i should say sir they're made by the hoofs of horses there i hear them again sir i'm quite sure of it and they're growing louder and so do i exclaimed colonel winchester now all life and activity the sounds are made by a large body of men advancing upon us seize that bugle dick and blow the alarm with all your might dick snatched up the bugle and blew upon it a long shrill blast that pierced far into the forest he blew and blew again and every man in the little force sprang to his feet in alarm nor were they a moment too soon from the woods to the east came the answering notes of a bugle and then a great voice cried forward men and wipe em off the face of the earth it seemed to dick that he had heard that voice before but he had no time to think about it as the next instant came the rush of wild horsemen a thousand strong leaning low over their saddles their faces dark with a passion of anger and revenge pistols rifles and carbines flashing as they pulled the trigger giving way when empty to sabres which gleamed in the moonlight as they were swung by powerful hands colonel winchester's whole force would have been ridden down in the twinkling of an eye had it not been for the minute's warning his men leaping to their feet snatched up their own rifles and fired a volley at short range it did more execution among the horses than among the horsemen and the southern rough riders were compelled to waver for a moment many of their horses went down others uttered the terrible shrieking neigh of the wounded and despite the efforts of those who rode them strove to turn and flee from those flaming muzzles it was only a moment but it gave the union troop save those who were already slain time to spring upon their horses and draw back at the colonel's shouted command to the cover of the wood but they were driven hard the confederate cavalry came on again impetuous and fierce as ever and urged continually by the great partisan leader forrest now in the very dawn of his fame it was no phantom you saw that girl on the horse shouted warner in dick's ear and dick nodded in return they had no time for other words as forrest's horsemen far outnumbering them now pressed them harder than ever a continuous fire came from their ranks and at close range they rode in with a sabre dick experienced the full terror and surprise of a night battle the opposing forces were so close together that it was often difficult to tell friend from enemy but forrest's men had every advantage of surprise superior numbers and perfect knowledge of the country dick groaned aloud as he saw that the best they could do was to save as many as possible why had he not taken a shot at the horse of that flying girl we must keep together dick shouted warner here are pennington and sergeant whitley and there's colonel winchester i fancy that if we can get off with a part of our men we'll be doing well pennington's horse shot through the head dropped like a stone to the ground but the deft youth 
used to riding the wild mustangs of the prairie leaped clear seized another which was galloping about riderless and at one bound sprang into the saddle good boy shouted dick with admiration but the next moment the horsemen of forest were rushing upon them anew more men were killed many were taken and colonel winchester seeing the futility of further resistance gathered together those who were left and took flight through the forest tears of mortification came to dick's eyes but sergeant whitley who rode on his right hand said it's the only thing to do remember that however bad your position may be it can always be worse it's better for some of us to escape than for all of us to be down or be taken dick knew that his logic was good but the mortification nevertheless remained a long time there was some consolation however in the fact that his own particular friends had neither fallen nor been taken they still heard the shouts of pursuing horsemen and shots rattled about them but now the covering darkness was their friend and they drew slowly away from all pursuit the shouts and the sounds of trampling hoofs died behind them and after two hours of hard riding Colonel Winchester drew rein and ordered a halt. It was a disordered and downcast company of about fifty who were left. A few of these were wounded, but not badly enough to be disabled. Colonel Winchester's own head had been grazed, but he had bound a handkerchief about it and sat very quiet in his saddle. My lads, he said, and his tone was sharp with a note of defiance, we've been surprised by a force greatly superior to our own and scarcely a sixth of us are left but it was my fault i take the blame for the present at least we are safe from the enemy and i intend to continue with our errand we were to scout the country all the way to nashville it is also possible that we will meet the division of general buell advancing to that city now lads i hope that you all will be willing to go on with me are you we are roared fifty together and a smile passed over the wan face of the colonel but he said no more then instead he turned his head toward the capital city of the state and rode until dawn his men following close behind him the boys were weary in truth all of them were but no one spoke of halting or complained in any manner at sunrise they stopped in dense forest at the banks of a creek and watered their horses they cooked what food they had left and after eating rested for several hours on the ground most of them going to sleep while a few men kept a vigilant watch when dick awoke it was nearly noon and he still felt sore from his exertions an hour later they all mounted and rode again toward nashville near night they boldly entered a small village and bought food the inhabitants were all strongly southern but villagers loved to talk and they learned there in a manner admitting of no doubt that the confederate army was retreating southward from the line of the cumberland that the state capital had been abandoned and that to the eastward of them the union army under buell was advancing swiftly on nashville at least we accomplished our mission said colonel winchester with some return of cheerfulness we have discovered the retreat of general johnston's whole army and the abandonment of nashville invaluable information to general grant but we'll press on toward nashville nevertheless they camped the next night in a forest and kept a most vigilant watch if those terrible raiders led by forest should strike them again they could make but little defense they came the next morning upon a good road and followed it without interruption until nearly noon 
and when they saw the glint of arms across a wide field, Colonel Winchester drew his little troop back into the edge of the woods and put his field glasses to his eyes. There are many men riding along a road parallel to ours, he said. They look like an entire regiment, and by all that's lucky, they're in the uniforms of our own troops. Yes, they're our own men. There can be no mistake. It is probably the advance guard of Buell's army. They still had a trumpet, and at the colonel's order it was blown long and loud. An answering call came from the men on the parallel road, and they halted. Then Colonel Winchester's little troop galloped forward, and they were soon shaking hands with the men of a mounted regiment from Ohio. They had been sent ahead by Buell to watch Johnston's army. But hearing of the abandonment of Nashville, they were now riding straight for the city. Colonel Winchester and his troop joined them gladly, and the colonel rode by the side of the Ohio Colonel Mitchell. Dick and his young comrades felt great relief. He realized the terrible activity of Forrest, but that cavalry leader, even if he had not now gone south, would hesitate about attacking the powerful regiment with which Dick now rode. Warner and Pennington shared his feelings. The chances are ninety percent in our favor, said the Vermonter, that we'll ride into Nashville without a fight. I've never been in Tennessee before, and I'm a long way from home, but I'm curious to see this city. I'd like to sleep in a house once more. They rode into Nashville the next morning amid frowning looks, but the half-deserted city offered no resistance. End of chapter 12, part 2